0: maybe you've heard of the concept of genetic testing and you're wondering if it's something that you should do to help you optimize your health and fitness and if so this episode of the smart nutrition made simple shows for you
1: welcome to the smart nutrition made simple show where each week you'll hear the real world experiences life lessons and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master their health productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today. And without further ado, let's jump right in.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number 60 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today on the show, I have my buddy, Dr. Tracy Gappin. Dr. Gappin is a board-certified urologist. He's a men's health expert and an epigenetic coach. He focuses on helping busy men, successful men optimize their health get their edge back and reach their full potential he offers a personalized path to help men maximize their sexual health their hormone levels and vitality through advanced epigenetic coaching and a bio-individualized approach to helping men optimize their performance today's show we talk about genetic testing what exactly are epigenetics why they're important for helping us optimize our health versus focusing on disease management all of these things have to do with our nutrition our sleep our stress our supplementation our movement our hormones and then of course how we can alter those foundational principles through identifying our genetic components how we would respond better to certain nutritional variables certain supplemental variables certain lifestyle variables like sleep based on our genetics and why it's really relevant area of medicine to be testing now. Additionally, we talk about testosterone management, why we should be measuring our testosterone levels, what levels we should be looking for, and what other parameters we should be looking at in conjunction with just total testosterone, which may actually not be the best indicator of how our body's actually utilizing the testosterone it's producing. So we're just gonna jump right in. I hope you guys enjoy the show, and I will catch you on the other side. Dr. Tracy Gappin, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show. How are you doing, brother? Hey, good, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. Heck yeah, man. It's great to catch up again. Hey, what's been going on in your life right now?
2: Oh, I've been super busy. Uh, I've been uh, uh, busy in my medical practice. I'm busy um, helping men optimize their health with a, a, a unique personalized uh, genetics approach now. Um, things, are, things are busy. Things are crazy.
0: That's awesome. Well, speaking of male optimization, that's part of why I wanted to have you on the show is because, you know, we talk a lot about uh, men and energy and hormones and sleep and, you know, what we can do from a nutrition, strength, lifestyle, medical standpoint to help men and women, of course, feel their best. And uh, what I appreciate about what you're doing is you've really married the uh, nutrition and lifestyle aspect with the medicinal aspect. And so I think that, um, well, I'm just excited to have a conversation uh, specifically around some of the medical stuff that you've been doing uh, to help our listeners optimize their energy, optimize their testosterone, and kind of dig a little bit deeper into what's going on in, in medicine these days that can cue us into, um, you know, how we can actually optimize. So but, but before we jump into that, Doc maybe you could give us just a really brief background about how you got into this field um and why you're so passionate about it
2: yeah sure so um i uh, as you know i'm a urologist i've been in a, a clinical practice and private practice now since uh, 2004 so about, about 14 years now in practice and uh a long medical training before that and uh you know i i grew up um with um uh, uh with a kind of a, a difficult childhood my, my parents divorced when i was very young and I learned firsthand really early um, how important it is to have a man in the house, a, you know, a man who's, who's a, a present and engaged father, husband, leader, role model. And so I, I grew up um, very early on n- knowing I wanted to be a doctor and knowing that I really wanted to be involved actually in men's health and, and helping men to, to be their best. And so going through medical school, I, I, I had that, that kind of preconceived idea of, of, of what I wanted to focus on. And so uh, urology definitely appealed to me for that reason. And so um, I, I'm super passionate about men's health now, especially as a, I'm a father to uh, two b- beautiful little babies. Um, I have a beautiful wife, and I'm busy, and I'm running around, and you know I'm starting to, to get a little older, and, uh, and I'm losing a little hair, and so you know I'm really focused on on, on myself as well, and optimizing my health so that I can be a, a present, uh, you know, father for my kids. I can be a, a, an attentive husband to my wife. I can be a, a role model to. To um, other, um, uh, my kids and other other, you know, kids growing up, and um, and so I, I see myself as my own avatar, you know, yeah. as, as a guy who is trying to stay at his best, to stay at his peak, and uh, you know, I've had my own health challenges where I was so busy, focused on my medical practice, focused on on taking care of my patients, that I actually neglected my own health, and. Uh, Five years ago, I I went to my primary care doctor for my first physical ever, and uh, I found that I was 30 pounds overweight. My uh, cholesterol and triglycerides were super high, and I realized that um, I need to kind of, kind of, pay attention to things, and that really shifted my mindset toward more of a a, a preventative wellness approach. And and that kind of leads into what we're going to talk about today, and, and that is that you know, optimizing health is different than the disease model that most people are familiar with, and so the current medical system is so broken. It's focused on basically fixing the symptoms or addressing the symptoms of disease with medicines or surgeries or procedures. And it does nothing to really address the underlying root cause and to, to, to prevent disease and to prevent problems and optimize your health so that you can live longer without relying on necessarily prescription medications or procedures or whatever. And so my own personal experience ties in directly with, with my approach toward men because I, I, I live through it. And I see how, you know, our lifestyle and what we do every day can affect us. And, and that leads us into epigenetics, which is the fact that, you know, our lifestyle affects our genes, our genetic expression. And so our, our body's function is affected by what we eat, how we sleep, how we breathe, how we move, how we think even. And yeah. so that's really uh, the basis of epigenetics, and, and what I'm focused on now.
0: Talk talk a little bit more about epigenetics. What exactly are we talking about uh, with respect to epigenetics, and and why is it beneficial for us to? Because it's it's something that's becoming more um, well known, uh, obviously within you know men's health community and and just medicine in general as to the benefit. But but just for our listeners' sake. Um, what exactly is epigenetics and and why is it beneficial for us to know more about uh, those things
2: sure great question so so technically epigenetics is really the science of lifestyle to make it very easy for people to understand it is the science of lifestyle and it goes back to um, the foundation of our dna and our genes so every Mm. person has 46 chromosomes we got 23 from our mom 23 from our dad and on those chromosomes we have genes and these genes are, are is basically your genetic code that dictates how your body develops how it how it's formed how it functions and it it affects how you metabolize food it affects how you uh, how much testosterone you produce it how it affects how you build muscle or burn fat it affects every part of your function and so your dna is is the, the foundation or the basis of every single cell in your body but what's very interesting is that you know we like to say your DNA is not your destiny and what what we we mean by that is that while your DNA code is fixed how each cell in your body expresses that DNA code is very very different and I'll give you an example A, a skin cell in your body has the exact same genetic code as every brain cell in your body as every muscle cell as every cell in your stomach and so the key is, is how do these genes in your each individual cell in your body, how do they know how to function? How do they know which genes to turn on and which genes to turn off? And that's what epigenetics is. Epigenetics is basically the environment affects the expression of every cell in your body. And so we know that what you eat, we know that um, how you sleep, we know that uh, how, how you deal with stress, we know that... Um, how you move, all these things, all these environmental factors affect the expression of the cells in your body. And there's actually an entire science around it. And we know there are, there are 10,000 uh, publications a year now on epigenetics that show without question that, that lifestyle and that environment and that, you know, the toxins we're exposed to um, uh, and our behavior affects the function of
0: our body. And so you're utilizing this genetic testing in your practice,
2: Yes. Yes. So, so what has really uh, uh, been revolutionary is that we can now um, uh, take someone's genetics, and you know there are a lot of commercially available products out there, which are, are uh, uh, another topic we can talk about that that are, are not really uh, very useful at all. But we can take the genetic information, um, you know, by running your your a report, a blood panel, and get it, get your entire genetic code. And we can individually identify specific genes in a client that may indicate a potential risk, and we can mitigate that risk in how um, how they eat, how they um, how they live, you know, supplementation, uh, uh, detox, avoiding exposure, stuff
0: like that. So, I'm give on- me give me an example of that, and and just to back up for a second, so we're talking about DNA testing. I, is that correct? That's right. That's right. Okay. So there there's numerous. Well, there's several DNA tests on the market, and, and are you suggesting that some of the commercially available DNA tests, um, you know, potentially like the ninety-nine, one ninety-nine dollar ones, they may not be as as beneficial as they claim to be?
2: Yeah, well, you, correct, correct, and and the reason for that is the human body is complex, all right, and so what those reports will do is they will look at specific genetic variant uh, genes, and they'll look for variants. And the, the, the test will try to conclude or try to suggest that this genetic variant equals this phenotype equals this outcome, if you will, sure. this, okay. um, um, you know, this appearance to, to your body. But that's not true we know that that again there's so many variables that that one particular gene does not equal one particular outcome Mm -hmm. so for example there's not one specific gene that dictates that your eye color is going to be a certain color or that your, your 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 weight is going to be x or that you're going to have this much body fat or this much muscle and so all your genes work together and so it's really important that you look at not one individual gene but several genes um, and, and, and put them all together and use clinical judgment and um, apply it to a particular client. And, and that's where it, it really takes expertise in understanding it and, um, and that's why these, these commercially available products, while, while they're nice, while they give you some probabilities, they're really just statistics and they're, they're in my opinion worthless in terms of, of how the general public can use that information.
0: Hmm, interesting. So w- with your genetic testing uh, and, and the, the comprehensive nature of the genetic testing that, that you utilize and the interpretation that you use, what are some of the things that we that, that you look at? Um, to determine how to structure someone's strength training, how to structure their nutrition plan, how to structure their lifestyle and or supplementation plan. What are the common denominators oh, there that sure. pop out?
2: Yeah, so, so the, the key factors that, that I really focus on are nutrition, sleep, stress, mm. supplementation, movement or fitness, uh, and detox, and hormones. So those are like the seven general broad categories that I look at and it's important to understand that that from from a systems approach, meaning you know a whole body approach, because your entire body is 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 made up of several systems that all integrate and work together. You can't look at any one particular specific gene to come up with any outcome, and so it, it takes looking at all of them. So, I, to to give you a good example that I think will really help put this into some some proper context, um, I, I see so many men in my practice who have low testosterone, and that's kind of my, my focus. And, and sure. one of the, the, the key things that, that I help men work on is, is optimizing their hormone balance. And testosterone can be affected by any of those seven things that I mentioned. And so one of the big things I see is, is sleep. So, so it, when I first start working with my clients, I'll, I'll get their hormones uh, normalized, and, and I'll focus on sleep because I, I find that, that most guys don't get nearly enough sleep. And working through it, it's interesting that there are several genes that relate to your sleep. And that includes um, melatonin, that includes your circadian rhythm, and it actually includes things like diet. Like there are there are GAD1 genes, which are uh, glutamate, basically how you break down glutamate, which is found in a lot of foods like MSG. And um, and so there are so many different genes that interact, that you have to look at, and, and this is why I, I said that humans are complex and and our bodies are not simple enough to be able to take one gene, look at it and say, Hey, this variant shows that you need X supplement and then you're going to be fine. It it takes, it takes working at, uh, working at it by looking at all the different genes that might be related and putting them in proper context.
0: That's fascinating. So are are there specific genes within this genetic testing that would suggest our uh, propensity to, you know, uh, for example, strength training, it, it, can you interpret from the test whether we would respond well to a certain type of exercise?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are definitely uh, specific genes that that uh, would indicate whether you're more likely to benefit from uh, strength training, endurance training, um, you know, higher uh, aerobic fitness type of um, uh, training. There are genes that specifically look at muscle fatigability as well, or your VO2 max or your oxygen consumption. And so there there are several genes that all interact and work together to help us know from an athletic standpoint, what's the best way to optimize your performance.
0: That's super fascinating. And I, I suppose that probably carries over into those other areas that you look at nutrition, sleep, supplementation, um, uh, hormones, but you know, something that I, that I'm curious about would be also our, a body's ability to metabolize protein, carbs, and fats, and what will you be more genetically predisposed to? What do you see with Absolutely. respect to that?
2: Yeah, this is a huge field, there's a huge area the nutrition side of things, and um, it's actually the, the first area that I focus on, it's actually the kind of the, the foundation, the cornerstone um, of my work with clients, uh, because nutrition, it really affects everything else to, to a certain extent, and so there are specific genes that we look at that show your ability to, to process and metabolize uh, complex carbs and proteins and monounsaturated and uh, polyunsaturated and saturated fats and so uh, I'll give you an example I, I uh, you know my genes in particular show that I do better with a higher protein lower <clears throat> carb diet uh, better with, with monounsaturated fats. Um, I had uh, another client who uh, was my similar body build similar height. Not nearly as muscular as me, of course. Not nearly as strong. <laughs> Not nearly as virile as me. Of course. course. Yeah, right. Um, but interestingly, um, his genes show that he did much better with complex carbs and low sat- I'm sorry, and uh, low saturated fat and low, um, uh, low protein.
0: And so it, it, it's
2: it's interesting how um, you hear all this noise out there in this day and age about keto or paleo or plant-based or or whatever and 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 my response to all that is is you really have to individualize it and personalize it and look at your genetics and then use that to uh you know leverage that to to optimize your health um at a scientific level
0: Mm. it's really cool stuff that is really fascinating and and i guess one of my concerns would be if we were taking a blank slate and and let's say we were taking someone that hadn't been exposed to our, you know, typical societal environmental toxicity and, and metabolic, potentially metabolic damage and all of these things, um, then it potentially could be, and, and is a really great jumping off point. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at is, is how do you marry? And I suppose this comes down to the art of your coaching, but how do you marry what their genetics say, uh, would potentially be optimal for them uh, as opposed to what they've uh, been exposed to and how their metabolism and maybe mitochondria have been affected by the way they've been living their life up to that point. Does that, does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I, I, think, I think you really hit, hit on the key uh, area of what we call precision medicine, and that is that, that you, you cannot take a gene variant and say because this you need that and that mm. it, it is it requires that you personalize it that you talk actually talk to the client and actually you know take a history and understand um their, their environment understand their exposures understand you know what their life is like and, and, and tailor it and yeah. so um you know another big big area that affects this uh, is exposures and um i am a very strong proponent on on men doing everything they can to limit exposure to endocrine disruptors and uh, you know, I, I like to say our balls are under attack because there are there are estrogenic <laughs> endocrine disruptors everywhere we look. And yeah. uh, you know, people talk about the obvious ones like you know BPA and your water bottles and, and phthalates and your plastics, but it's actually much more pervasive than that. You know, there are, are several studies that show that that oral birth control, contraceptive birth control um, hormones have gotten in our water tables, and our water, is, it, it, especially here in the U.S., is full of estrogens. Um, our sunscreen has uh, estrogenic compounds, our, um, our, our beauty uh, products, our skincare products, our soap, our shampoo, our deodorant, these all have chemicals, toxins, that act mm. like estrogen. They're not necessarily estrogens directly, but they act like estrogens in our body, and they stimulate uh, receptors to basically turn off men's production of testosterone and uh, decrease fertility and basically uh, feminize us. Yeah, And so, um, y- you know, going back to the genetics, it's not just the genetics it's so much more than that. It's a marriage of genetics and epigenetics and precision medicine.
0: Yeah, I can appreciate you factoring all of those things in because it's so relevant. It's yeah, I, I, I suppose it's, it would be easy enough to say uh, on paper, okay, it'd be great for this person to be doing a, uh, high-fat moderate protein low-carb diet but in reality if they're eating crap food highly processed refined carbohydrates and not exercising at all to simply suggest that they make that immediate transition uh, it in in all likelihood would not be very realistic for them and then you got to factor in what's going on with with their current hormonal state and lifestyle and motivation for change and all of those things so I definitely appreciate you you bringing that up hey brother Are you struggling to find the energy to function at your best as a businessman, father, and husband? I want you to know you're not alone. And sadly, the conventional wisdom these days around healthy eating and exercise that has saturated the mainstream is flat out wrong. If you wanna find the solution to optimizing your energy and body composition without restrictive dieting, soul-crushing workouts, or adding more to your already stressful and overflowing schedule, so that you can finally function like the man you know you can be, then we need to chat. Are you ready to move from exhausted to energized by working smarter, not harder? Go ahead and schedule your free strategy call at www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. I'm looking forward to our conversation and enjoy the rest of the show. You know we're talking about testosterone now and we're seeing that and there's definitely research to back this up that there's been a significant decline up to 50 60 percent decline in male fertility rates over the past 40 50 some years yeah. that's very disconcerting um, and and I, well one is is this something that you've you've been seeing in your practice and and two is how do you address it
2: yeah, Ben, it's incredible. I'll see guys in their twenties and thirties on a regular basis who come in uh, in a state of hypogonadism with with testosterone levels as low as, you know, 200, 250. Mm. It's, it's incredible, and so you know, you, you can't blame that on on solely on nutrition. Um, there's so much more than that, and I believe a lot of it comes down to our exposures. A lot of it comes down to these endocrine disruptors. And what's fascinating is that it doesn't affect just us, it affects other generations as well. So there are studies that show a, a, a concept that we call transgenerational um, epigenetics. And what that means is that what happens to uh, your grandparents, exposures that they went through um, can affect uh, their children and their children and their children. And so there are, there are a lot of studies that show that, that from a transgenerational perspective, Um, What has happened, you know, generations ago is affecting hormones today. Um, So I'll give you a great example of this. Um, Back in the 1940s to 1970s, it was very common to give pregnant women DES, which is an estrogen-like drug, because it was believed at the time that it decreased the risk of premature labor or miscarriage. Well, they stopped giving it in the 1970s when they realized that the female offspring had a dramatically increased risk of vaginal cancers. Hmm. Well, what they did not really follow were the men. And what we have now found is generations later that the fertility rates and the testosterone levels of the, the descendants, the children of those women, um, have dropped precipitously. And it's continued through generations as well. So it, it's amazing how what has happened generations ago um, can affect us today.
0: That's crazy to me and, and scary, especially you know yeah. as a father. I have three young kids, one of them being a boy. Um, and you, you know, you got a couple young kids as well. and yeah. it's just uh, it, it makes me concerned for the future of our children, but it also makes me extremely motivated to want to live out the best legacy possible and, and kind of help my kids set the stage for success because it, it's the whole thing. We're talking about optimization versus disease management is we have to plug in those principles early uh, and aggressively for our kids to, uh, you know, be able to be successful, um, yeah. to, uh, to be able to manage their health and give them the tools to be able to manage their health against all odds, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, uh, make it too, um, you know, sound too scary, but it is scary. It's just the reality of how it is and, and the research to back it up, so.
2: Yeah, you're, you're right. We're, we're definitely entering an era where things have to change. You know, our, we, we need to be proactive. We need to be more um, um, personalized in our care. We need to focus more on, um, you know, taking care of ourselves before disease sets in um, because, yeah, we're, we're seeing that from a generational standpoint, things are changing dramatically.
0: So while we're on the topic of testosterone, and the, and I guess the, the vast reduction of testosterone over the years, I, and I'm sure you do as well, but I have, I have a lot of guys that come to me and they're concerned about their testosterone levels. Um, they've had doctors suggest that they should be on testosterone replacement therapy. And the problem I have is oftentimes it's promoted as sort of being a, a, a quote unquote magic bullet in that your testosterone levels are low uh, based on conventional labs which is especially concerning but also simply by plugging in exogenous testosterone we can help improve all of these areas is that something that you've observed to be to be true and and how do you approach that concept with your client yeah
2: Great question. So, um, it, you know, it's become an epidemic. I, I really believe uh, low testosterone or hypogonadism has become an epidemic in man for, for the reasons we, we've mentioned. Um, the question is, how do you deal with it? And yeah. I, think, I think that, number one, you have to address lifestyle. And so, again, nutrition, sleep, stress, uh, detox, uh, lifestyle uh, movement, uh, all that has a direct effect on testosterone. And there are studies that show that there's a clear correlation with every one of those parts of your, of your body. And so that's why I, I go back to the whole body systems approach that you cannot just look at one single thing. And so to, to answer your question in, in a very roundabout way, um, mm. the answer is not just giving testosterone. Yeah, so, um, you know, a phrase that I've heard that I love that I think really um, uh, brings home this point is that your hormones are a symphony. Your hormones are a symphony. They all play together. And if any one of them is out of tune, then the whole thing falls apart. But fixing just one instrument in that symphony doesn't necessarily fix the entire, um, the entire symphony. So you have, yeah, to makes to at, you have to look at everything. And so what I mean by that is it's not just testosterone. You, know, you have to look at estrogen. You have to look at thyroid. You have to look at growth hormone. You have to look at so many other things. You have to look at you know, level of inflammation, uh, cardiovascular health, and, um, and all the stuff is, is really interrelated. And so yeah. uh, testosterone, I, I believe, is critical for a man to be a man, to, to have energy and to feel, feel alive, to have uh, you know, normal uh, sexual libido, sexual performance, uh, to be able to build muscle. You, you definitely need testosterone without question. But the key is, is, is just giving you a shot, sending you home is, is certainly not the answer. There's so much more to it than just that.
0: Let's, let, let's assume for a second that um, we are on testosterone replacement therapy and you maybe haven't noticed that you're experiencing any difference in the some of the symptoms that we talked about maybe it's energy or lethargy or sleep issues or trouble uh, losing body fat um or libido of course um what what other things should we be looking at from a clinical standpoint Uh, with respect to the blood work that could be influencing those testosterone levels. And I'll just give you a really brief example is I I just had a gentleman who I was speaking with the other day and his doctor was prescribing uh, testosterone replacement based on his total testosterone levels being low, but they weren't looking at free testosterone, nor were they looking at estradiol. Um,
2: yeah, it's it's so common, you know. T- t- total testosterone is is almost a worthless number, but I, I I do like it It's just kind of a general kind of guideline framework. Um, but but you bring up a, a good concept, and that is free testosterone. And so so for for the listeners to help explain that, um, testosterone is floating around in your blood, but. Uh, most of it is bound to proteins such as a protein we call shbg which is sex hormone binding globulin so shbg is is a a protein in your blood that will bind to, to testosterone and make it worthless it doesn't function you can't get any benefit from it so only testosterone that's not bound to shbg is what we call bioavailable some of that's also bound to albumin which is weakly bound and so that may potentially give you some benefit but but really the free testosterone is the actual hormone in your body that's going to give you the actual clinical benefits, the actual clinical um, um, uh, effect that you're looking for. And so what a lot of doctors will do is, is use a total testosterone number as the end all, and that's really misguided, it's short-sighted, and, and you're missing the bigger picture. And so it's key that we really look at free testosterone because that is the, the actual functional layer of testosterone. Yeah. Um, to take that one step further every man is different you know we are all unique and, and this goes back to precision medicine back to you know really personalizing care and that is that there's no one magic number that is uh, is what we aim for and every guy is different and so what, what's kind of a joke is that the normal testosterone range in a man the lab values believe it or not is 250 to 1100. It's, it's 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 ridiculous. It's so it's ridiculous. Yeah. So does that mean that a guy who has a t- testosterone, a total testosterone of two fifty four, is normal? Well, mm-hmm. hell no. And so the key is to is to number one realize that that uh, free testosterone is critical, and number two that every guy is different, and that some men may need a different testosterone level than others.
0: Where does estrogen fall into? determining the applicability of trt
2: yeah so so estrogen is an interesting concept because a a, a lot of guys are afraid of estrogen a lot of guys uh, you know are so focused on lowering estrogen and and, uh, there's a drug called arimidex which is a aromatase inhibitor and what what arimidex does is it blocks the conversion of testosterone to estrogen in our fat and so it's kind of a uh a, a little biohack way of increasing testosterone, specifically by blocking that conversion. I will caution you though that it's, it's, a, a, common, it's a common practice to do that, but it, it's actually typically uh, not necessarily beneficial. So what I mean by that is estrogen is important for, for a man, and a lot of guys are afraid of estrogen, but in fact estrogen is what gives us um, good bone health, cognitive health. And estrogen is actually super important for good um, erectile function and for mm-hmm. guys to just feel good. And so I've had so many guys come to see me where um, they were going somewhere else. They were going to the testosterone clinic on the corner and they were right. getting their testosterone shot and their Remedex and they are getting shots of HCG so their testicles don't shrink. Right. And they felt, they felt like crap. And they came to me, and 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 um, and I, you know, do a full lab panel, and I realized that maybe their T level could be a little higher, but the bigger issue is their estrogen level is is in single digits, or it's like Mm ten, and 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 they they've kind of overshot it by lowering the estrogen too much, and so there's this common misconception that estrogen is bad for men, and and at at a super high level, it is, but in fact, in most cases. Um, it, there actually is some benefit of it. And, and so what I, what I typically recommend is for guys, when I'm starting testosterone therapy, I will intentionally not put them on Rimadex. Um, I'll follow their T levels. I'll follow their estrogen levels and see, you know, how they feel. You know, the, the key thing is guys need to feel great. They need to feel the benefit from it. And so, uh, that's where precision medicine comes in again.
0: Yeah. And, and I suppose that that conversion of testosterone to estrogen is highly influenced by our overall health and what i mean by that is potentially if we're more metabolically deranged if we're storing more body fat if we have poor blood sugar regulation maybe we're storing more body fat around our midsection um and and you can correct me if i'm wrong but the the likelihood of us taking our testosterone production and um, and turning it into more estrogen, it would be more likely. Is is that correct?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so the aromatase enzyme is found predominantly in our fat cells, and so okay. men who are obese, uh, who, or who have a higher, uh, you know, body fat uh, percent, will certainly have uh, more aromatization of their testosterone into estrogen. And so, these guys may require, uh, you know, a higher testosterone dose to get mm. their levels up to where we need them to be. Sure.
0: Is there a number that you look for? So we talk about, again, we're talking about optimization versus just looking at conventional norms. And I've talked about this on the show uh, several times before with respect to testosterone, but is there a number that you look at that you would consider to be optimal? And if it's not there, that you would consider uh, guys Going into uh, testosterone replacement therapy.
2: Yeah, great question. It, it's really subjective. It's really personalized, and so uh, I'll give you a, a examples. I have a guy who um, who I I see regularly. His testosterone level is in the six hundreds. He feels like crap, mm. and you know his free testosterone may be you know fifty ish, and he feels like crap. I get his, his free testosterone up to 80 to 100. I get his uh, total testosterone to the, you know, 8, 9, range. And he feels amazing. And there is, there is a very clear cut difference for him. He, he can tell the difference. He knows the difference. And so for that client, um, I you know, I know where to put him. I know where he needs to be. Um, yeah. Other patients who come in and their levels are 250 and, and their, their doctor told them they're fine. And uh, I get them on testosterone and get them up to 600 or get their, get their free testosterone up to 60, 70, 80 range and they feel amazing. And so it, it comes down to really individualizing care, um, actually talking to the client and, and um, you know, doing the right thing. For someone
0: listening, for, especially for the guy listening that may be concerned that they're experiencing low levels of testosterone, what's the first step for them
2: I would definitely check your levels. I would check a, a total endo free testosterone level. I think those are important. Um I, I would really um uh emphasize the fact that um you know from a whole body perspective, when a guy comes in with low testosterone especially a younger guy in his twenties, thirties, forties, the main thing I want to focus on is his whole body health and cardiovascular health. And, um, you know, recognize that low testosterone is typically associated with chronic inflammation. It's typically associated with, uh, some element of, of, uh, sometimes obesity, sometimes insulin resistance, um, uh, hypercortisolism. And so I, I would really uh, emphasize that, that you look at the whole body and not just focus on that one particular number and try to treat that number.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, as we start to wrap up here i'm I'm going to ask you a little more generalized question and so we're going to stay on the topic of of hormones specifically testosterone but i I guess if someone that was to ask you what are what are two or three things that the average male can do to improve their testosterone but two or three specific things and obviously there's a ton you know um but, but Based on your clinical experience, what would you recommend um, are two or three things that someone could do right away that could potentially start to improve their body's production of testosterone?
2: Absolutely. Number one, I would say intermittent fasting. I think the intermittent um, fasting is one of, the, one of the big things that um, clearly has been shown to have an effect on testosterone um, directly through, through hormone production, but also through effect on, on, um, on your metabolism, effect on um, you know, other systems as well that come into play. Um, so intermittent fasting, I, 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 really like, um, I, I find guys who, uh, when I meet him for the first time, we'll kind of do a brief introduction and, and that's kind of a key note that I'll give them in the beginning. I'll see him a week later and they're like, Oh my God, I already feel amazing. I feel better just by doing mm-hmm. that.
0: Uh, w- within the intermittent fasting, obviously that's. Uh, can be nebulous because there's so many different types of intermittent fasting. So what specific type yeah. of intermittent fasting are you referring to?
2: Yeah, so you're, you're right. Um, what I typically do myself and what I recommend for my clients is the 16-8 cycle. And, and I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, for a guy who's just starting out with it, who's never heard of it before, doesn't know anything about it, it, it it's, it's a lifestyle adjustment. It's a change. And for some people, it could be too much to handle to ask them to do like a 24-48-hour or 48 hour or 72-hour sure. fast. Yeah, and, and and those kind of things can 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 sometimes really stretch. You know, cortisol levels can, can skyrocket, and so um, I I think that the sixteen eight cycle is a good introduction to um, to it, um, and um, and I suggest in the beginning Monday through Friday, so guys feel like you know on the weekends if they if they really enjoy breakfast they can have those days to eat breakfast and then kind of get back to it Monday through Friday. Um, it, it's a, just a good easy introduction to intermittent fasting that is. Uh, uh, I think beneficial. I think guys feel a difference immediately um, and it's not too stressful on, on their lifestyle.
0: And, and do you think, I don't, I don't want to go too far down that IF rabbit hole, but do you think that the it, when they implement the intermittent fasting, do you think they start to feel so much better because it invariably creates a level of caloric restriction, whereas they may be consuming too much uh, obviously on a daily basis to begin with? Or do you think that it really has, uh, some direct hormonal influence or is it, is it kind of the two go hand in hand?
2: I think it's probably multifactorial. Yeah. I think that some of it may be caloric restriction. I think, um, I, I think it definitely has, has, uh, some direct effect on ghrelin levels. It has some effect on cortisol levels. And so I think that there, there's definitely a multifactorial, um, um aspect and, 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 uh, reason why it's effective.
0: Cool. Yeah. That, I think that's a great, a great tip. What do you yeah, got for number two? It,
2: it, it, but it's just one little nugget, you know, I tell guys, it's not going to revolutionize your life, but it's definitely just a start.
0: No, but um, I agree with you. I think it's a great one to start with, uh, yeah. for, for sure.
2: Yeah, um, the, the second one is sleep, and I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how important good sleep is. Um, I, I could probably spend an hour talking about the benefits of, of, of healthy sleep from every system in your body. But definitely testosterone levels, um, and and I see a lot of ex- uh, you know high level executives, high performers, um, CEOs, and these guys are getting you know three, four, five hours of sleep, and they swear that they're getting enough sleep, and, and I, I swear to them they're not. Mm-hmm. So you know your body, you know, really needs uh, six and a half, seven, seven and a half hours of sleep a night uh, at the minimum. And so uh, you know there are some general sleep hygiene practices that I'm sure you've talked about in the past to to you know optimize your sleep. Not even looking at the genetics yet, but just looking at basic generic, um, you know, sleep hygiene habits. I think are important. Like you know, making sure you're going to bed at the same time every night. Um, try to wake up the same time every morning, unless you have little kids like you and me, in which case, forget
0: <laughs> it, no chance. No chance.
2: We, we wake up when they tell us we're gonna wake up. Yeah. Uh, you know, really limiting blue light for about three hours before you go to bed. Um, one other thing along that line is um, is what you eat at night. Um, I think the intermittent fasting thing is helpful also from a sleep perspective, because I think a lot of guys, some of their food that they eat, especially at dinner time, may be keeping them up at night as well. So yeah. um, I, I think that you know, eating dinner about six o'clock or so, and and uh, giving your body time to digest, and hopefully your you know your glutamate levels have have, have decreased before bedtime. Um, I think that's helpful as well. Um, you know, limiting sleep or limiting light in the bedroom, making sure you have, have shades on, on your windows so that there's no light coming in. Um, you know, cool room, comfy bed, um, like, you know, all the general routine sleep hygiene practices I think are important. And then from nutrition, I know you're, you're super big on nutrition. I'm sure you said this a billion times, but, uh, you know, what you eat is so critical and, and all the, the sugar out there is really killing us. And um, so I I really focus on minimizing refined sugars, processed foods. Um, You know, anything that comes in a package is really not good for you. And so I I really try to emphasize focusing on uh, not necessarily a vegetarian diet, but certainly a plant-based diet, where most of your food should be coming from. You know, you know, healthy uh, vegetables, some fruit, uh, you know, some lean meats, um, and and really paying attention to your diet because nutrition has definitely been shown to have a profound effect on uh, testosterone. Low-fat diets are actually harmful from um, a mm. testosterone perspective because uh, cholesterol is the building block of testosterone, and so a low-fat diet is definitely not advisable.
0: Yeah, definitely. We want to take care of those hormone pathways and, and cholesterol is one of the major precursors to all of those sex and stress hormones, yes. so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Definitely not staying low-fat, but it also doesn't mean that you have to go straight, straight keto. Uh, uh, so, okay. Last question. So since we're on the topic of nutrition, and this is something I ask all of my guests, if you could only have one meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of your life, what would that one meal be? And, and I'll throw in the caveat that it doesn't have to be a, a, a healthy meal per se. So one meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, rest of your life.
2: If we're not going healthy,
0: uh, it would have to be
2: uh, eggs, and, and I would actually preface this by by going back and saying, you know, guys eating eggs, make sure it's organic, make sure it's free range, cage free yeah. eggs, um, not the other um, the crap out there. Um, but I would have um, uh, eggs with uh, some whole wheat toast, and then uh, either a waffle or French toast with some uh, sugary syrup on top Ooh. as a cheat. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that's your jam right there.
2: That, that's my cheat right there. there okay.
0: Go. Good stuff. Appreciate that, yeah, uh, Doc. This has really been a pleasure. I appreciate all your knowledge and wisdom. And um, where can people find out more about you?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, my website's uh, drtracygaffin.com. That's uh, D-R-T-R-A-C-Y-G-A-P-I-N.com. com. Um, I also have a free download. I have a, a, what's called an Edge Blueprint uh, download, which is a, a an ebook to help guys with some uh, quick tools, uh, quick tips that they can use to uh, help maximize testosterone and get their edge back. And it's simply at edgeblueprint.com.
0: Perfect. Well, and we'll have all those links in the show notes for all of our listeners. Buddy, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and, and share with our listeners. I'm, I'm sure uh, everyone really appreciates it, as do I. And uh, we'll have to have you back on and connect again. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Ben. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. You take care.
2: Have a good one, man. I'll see you.
1: Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.